This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening and welcome to tonight's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests tonight are Adam Heap, Aidan Leap, Chris Walker, Robbie Kopak, Kieran James and James Bird. Very full show today. Um, obviously, we had the last game of the weekend that we'll go through in detail a bit later, but we are going to start with Chris, who's a Blackpool fan, who's joining us tonight. Um, and we'll look ahead to the weekend's game. Derby, of course, Blackpool, the visitors to Turf Moor. Um, are you looking forward to the game on Saturday, Chris? Are you making it to the Turf? Um, I'm not actually uh, heading over myself, and it's probably because I'm not looking forward to it that I'm not going. Um, yeah, it's You're not, not fancy been... your chances of getting a result? No, it seemed, every time we come to Turf Moor lately, it seems to uh, not be particularly great. Uh, last couple of seasons have been... Not exactly uh, vintage stuff from us, really. What do you make of Blackpool's season so far? It's been a bit of a funny one because you started quite well and then the Paul in suspension seemed to knock you off the rails a little bit. Is that fair? Yeah, it's been a bit chaotic, really. Um, the, obviously, we had a big clear out in the summer. A lot of sort of key players moved on. Uh, Ian Ever, Gary Taylor-Fletcher, um, Matt Phillips... Um, Stephen Craney, there's a whole list of them, really. Um, but, and Ince, really, he had to leave his recruitment late. It was the uh, typical uh, Carl Oyston purse strings were out in force. So uh, it's been, it, 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 it was surprising, really, that we won so many of the early games, but we didn't really play well in many of them. So the form since then has kind of been a bit of luck, even in itself out, I'd say. Um, but but as you say, the the Paul Ins ban I think probably did have an impact because um, since then we've been sort of red card central really. It's funny, isn't it? Because obviously um, Ince was banned from the stadium for five games, and then you had five red cards in two matches or something. But he said he said discipline isn't a problem in the squad. Like looking from the outside, from a supporter of another club, it looks like it very much is. What what do you think's going on with all the the red cards recently? Yeah, it obviously sounds pretty hypocritical of him to uh, come out and say there's no discipline problem. Uh, a lot of people have given him a lot of stick, really, saying that you know he, he he's meant to lead from the top, and if he can't even behave himself, then you know what chance they give his players. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, we are quite a physical side. That's the way you set us up to be hard to beat. So, so you know, we, we do put a few challenges in, but... I mean, it all seemed the, the worst one really was the uh, the oval game where we had three players sent off, but they were all sort of in the last five ten minutes, and people's heads just seemed to have gone. And then we followed it up at Derby with two red cards. So it, it's been eight over the season, but it, it was five in two games. So I suppose it's it's not necessarily that we've been ill disciplined all season, but but it's definitely sort of come to the fore in in recent weeks, and you know we've we've been suffering with suspensions on the back of that. So what can Burnley expect from Blackpool at the weekend? You've been playing one up front, is that right? Yeah, it's been a 4-5-1 um, and like a, a proper 4-5-1 as well. Not, not really one that turns into a 4-3-3 when we're on the attack. Uh, so we, we've been leaving the sort of one forward quite exposed. Um, so yeah, I think you know it'll be the same again really. Uh, that seems to be in his way that he, he likes to be pretty uh, pretty pretty defensive so I think he'll come and probably try and play for a point if he can um, so yeah I, I'd expect us to try and be tight and maybe nick a goal from a set piece Tom Ince is obviously a standout player for you um, there's some rumours he might be moving on in the January transfer window though. what's his form been like is he is he still your better player one of your best players is that fair to say it's a funny one really because if you go on sheer talent, he's clearly he's clearly head and shoulders above most of the rest of the team. Uh, you've got a lot of sort of workmen in that workman like players in that side, and he's the one sort of real real ability. Um, but ever since his dad was appointed manager, he's not really uh, been given as much freedom as he, as he had under Holloway. Um, so his form actually isn't particularly great at the moment. Whether it's because he's been sort of marked out as the one player that you've got to stop in the Blackpool team and he's getting a bit of extra attention. I think that could be part of it. Um, but his, his attitude as well has been sort of criticised. He's, he's got a bit frustrated and petulant, but I think it could just be because he's he's so well marked and we don't sort of attack with much flowing moves or much freedom. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting one, really, because he's, he's a great player, but it's just a shame that we're not seeing the best of him at the moment. So, is there anyone else we should be looking out for on Saturday? Um, well, I'd say the sort of the three best players this season that have been sort of at the the heart of our success, if you can call it that. I mean, we have dropped down a bit in recent weeks, but the the sort of three players who'd got us into the sort of top six for most of the season had been uh, the, t- the two centre backs, uh, Kirk Broadfoot and Gary McKenzie, um, and then uh, up front Ricardo Fuller, who'd sort of done the one man. Uh, up front job really well. Uh, two of them won't actually be playing on Saturday, so uh, that's obviously a bit of a blow for us. Uh, Gary McKenzie, he was sent off at Yeovil, but then um, he's he's injured, uh, so he is sort of eligible to play, but he but he's injured. Um, and I think this is the final game of uh, Fuller's three match ban. Um, so yeah, it's it's the one up front in, with, without Fuller. Um, there's not really any other forward in the in the squad who can hold it up like he does. Um, so it'd probably be Steve Davis again. But yeah, it's it's really sort of keeping hold of the ball where we struggle um, with, without Fuller because he's, he's been so key for us in, in playing that one-man up front role. 
I'm sure Burnley will be quite happy to see the back of Ricardo Fora anyway. He's given us a, a rough game a few a few occasions for various clubs. I remember seeing him play at the turf for Preston. I think he got sent off on, so striking ice at, at Glen Little. But yeah, talented player, Ricardo Fora. I always thought it'd be interesting if he ended up at, at Burnley. Um, so have you seen much of Burnley so far this season? Have we taken you a bit by surprise as an opposition fan to see us doing so well at the start of the season? Uh, I, th- I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you looked at the table sort of a month or two ago and both Burnley and Blackpool were up there and I think both of us were probably expected to be lower half teams and in our case, maybe even uh, sort of re- relegation. Um, so, so yeah, I, I have been surprised that you've been up there, but, you know, it, obviously it's, I think probably Danny Ings has been pretty crucial to, to what you've done this season and I, I know that before this season he hadn't really... Um, sort of settled in. I think I think he maybe had a few injuries, um, and obviously after some. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, his success previously uh, had been down to sort of Charlie Austin. He'd he'd obviously he always seemed to score against us, and he did uh, for the weekend. Um, so I'm surprised that you know having sold you know sort of arguably your best player. Uh, you up there, but there are still a few other players in that team that I quite rate. Um, obviously, uh, Kieran Trippier is um, a player who uh, I think probably has got the ability to go on and play at a higher level. Um, so yeah, it, and actually the, the manager as well. I think uh, Sean Dyche is he seems pretty shrewd guy. Uh, did a good job at Watford, and um, I, I don't know if he was necessarily that popular when he was first appointed at your place, but he seems to certainly be doing the business now. Yeah, we're all extremely happy with Sean Dyche at the moment. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Sean Dyche's interview in the Daily Telegraph later as well. Um, we'll let you go now, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Do you want to give us a prediction for Saturday before we let you go off? Um, I suppose, really, it's not always a good form to uh, tip against your own team, is it? Um, I'd, I'm not convinced we'll get anything at the weekend, but uh, j- just to try and uh, play our angle up a bit, I'll uh, I'll go for a nil-nil draw. That seems to be... Uh, the uh, target result for Paul Ince most weeks, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say we'll uh, we'll nick a point. Oh, I think we're hoping for a bit more than the weekend. But thanks a lot for joining us, and good luck to Blackpool for the rest of the season. But not too much luck. Hopefully, you have a couple more red cards at the weekend to make it a little yeah. bit easier for us. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> if, if if we get through to the end of the game with eleven men on the pitch, that's pretty much a bonus at the moment. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed. And um, if, if fans want to read a bit more from you, you've got a, a Blackpool blog, don't you? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before you go? Yeah, um, it's me and um, one other guy who does uh, blogs. Um, he's uh, writes under the name Tangerine Dreaming. And also, uh, I don't know if you know the guys from the Seasiders podcast. Uh, so we've sort of combined to form uh, one website this season. And you can find it at uh, measuredprogress.co.uk. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Chris, and um, we'll maybe get you back on the podcast later in the season. Okay, brilliant. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Um, that was Chris Walker from Measured Progress, the Blackpool blog, talking about Saturday's game. But we will look back now to, to last weekend when Burnley travelled to Leicester in a blockbuster clash at the top of the Championship. James Bird, you were there for us at the weekend. What did you make of the game? Um, I think it was a classic game of two halves, really. First half, uh, Leicester were the better side and then second half we, we came back out in a, a much better fashion in the first half 
though obviously there was quite a bit of pressure later on and it, it probably could have gone either way. Do you think one all was probably a fair result in the end then? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the penalty is probably soft. I mean, I thought it was soft. I don't know whether a lot of other people think that. And maybe we could have got a make-up call in the second half when Michael Cartley went down from a, a slight touch. Um, but on the on the whole, I think both sides probably created a similar amount and uh, a point was probably fair. Do you think we showed enough to, to prove that we deserve to be up there come the end of the season? Leicester, I thought, were excellent in the first half, so we did well to stick with them, I thought. Yeah, definitely. I thought we we showed that clearly no pushovers. I think if you go to any of the, the top sides at their place and you know put in a good performance, I think we did the same at Forest. So we maybe rode our luck a little bit more there. Um, but if you can go to places like Forest, Leicester and, and still get a point, then you know, you're not going to do bad are you in the season if if you don't, you know, if you manage to go to places like that and not lose. Absolutely. And that little mini slump, as Sean Dyche referred to it, is now over. And Burnley are now on another unbeaten run of three. So let's hope that gets extended in the coming weeks. Aidan Leap, um, welcome to you next. Your first time on the non Ever podcast, so welcome to you. What did you, you. Make of Burnley, what did you make of Burnley's performance at the weekend? Well, yeah, after the first five minutes were a bit dodgy where they were absolutely battering us. But apart from that, it was a pretty solid performance. The most pleasing thing was probably how they dug in after the first half where they were all over us, basically. I missed the first five minutes, actually. I only just got back in and they were going on saying how it could have been two or three. And I'm going, what have I turned up to? Because obviously I haven't been this season being at university. And um, you're thinking, how was this lot top of the table still? But after that, the second half, it settled down and we seemed to get into it. And the penalty was ridiculously soft. And there was one angle on the telly where they showed it. They only showed it once and he tripped over his own feet, basically. So it's just one of those, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think the penalty for me, Vardy's lost control of the ball. And he's felt the touch in his back, decided to spend the most of it in the rapids. Bought it really. I think he's he's bought the penalty in a way. Like, I don't want to say it was cheating, but strikers will do that if they get in the box and get a touch. Um, Robbie, we'll come to you then now. Burnley at the weekend. Do you think one all was fair, or do you think we maybe could have got a little bit more from the game? Um, no, I'd say a point was a, a fair result in the end. Um, it's basically what uh, the two other lads said. It was a a, a frightening opening ten fifteen minutes, but I think. We kind of settled down a little bit, started passing the ball around, and I think their penalty was—I I think it was soft. But yeah, I, I would say the point was a fair result. I think soft is definitely the word for the penalty. I think it's one of those that if it was at the other end and say Danny Ings had gone down, we'd probably all be shouting for it. So just one of those that can go either way, really. Um, Kieran, you saw the game at the weekend as well, and a lot of your family are Leicester fans as well, so you've probably got a bit more balance than some of us on the podcast. What did you make of um, the weekend's game? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm reserved here. My dad was at City. My dad, come on, he was on the game. He's a Leicester fan. Um, I think that we could have been two down easily in the first 20 minutes. Or so we came back well after half-time. I think it's sort of indicative that both sides really probably should have scored more goals than they did. The Vardy header was very close. Sam Box is one-on-one. So... Yeah, I think it was probably a fair result. I think Leicester maybe did shade it, but I don't think they probably did. Balance did deserve to win, probably not. But both sides should take more chances, really. 
Yeah, as the home side, you'd probably say Leicester didn't really carve out enough pure openings, did they really? Uh, I don't know. There's, there was obviously a contentious penalty. The first 15 minutes, they did a few few things. Uh, Vardy had that shot very close, just wide. The header just missed. Um, and there's a few last-ditch blocks from, from the centre-halves. And I think one of the features, I think you put out on the No and Never uh, blog a while back ago, was how few shots we conceded on goal. And I think, what was it, 18 shots Leicester had? So, you know, we did, we did let them have quite a lot of shots on goal. Uh, but they are very threatening, aren't they, going forward? Uh, they've got a lot of choice, a lot of options there. Yeah, I thought Dyer Dyer caused Kieran Trippier a lot of problems early on, in particular in Trippier. He tends to do that against pacey opponents. He tends to take a while to get into the game and then grows into it once he's worked out. The other guy's quicker and he has to be a bit more alive. Yeah, they had a lot of attempts on goal, Leicester, but Tom Heaton didn't really have to make that many saves. Um, and we'll come to no. you then, watching the game from down under, and we, we're not going to talk about the cricket still. If you can refrain from bringing up the Ashes, that would be great. <laughs> what was what, what were your thoughts on uh, Burnley's performance at the weekend, Adam? Uh, I was, uh, to be honest, I, I mean, I'm, I've got to agree with everyone else. I think it was a fair result. I thought that our second half was better than their first half, and I think really we had the best chance of the game with Sam Vokes as one on one, and probably could have won it if we'd taken that. But uh, look, a point away at a side that's you know that everyone's uh, touting as top two is is a perfectly acceptable point, really. Uh, Paul's just made a point on the chat, actually, that I'll ask you first, Adam, and anyone else can jump in. He says, um, if we've been really picky, have we become slow starters or are we just being worked out a bit more? Um, obviously, putting you under on the spot a little bit with that question. But do you think that's a fair point from Paul? Are we starting a little bit slow? We were quite... took a while to get going at the weekend, didn't we? Are you there, Adam? Sorry, still talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Yep, no, sorry. I, I think we've yeah, just no. woken you up, haven't we? Not very awake. <laughs> yeah, 3, 3 a.m., something like that. Um, no, we were... Yeah, the, I've got to be honest. I was watching on television. I was just had my head in my hands after the first 10 minutes. I, I didn't think I'd be able to take a good, a good 90 minutes of that. But, uh, but look, it's, it's, you know, it's a skill to have in the championship to be able to not... Um, lose your cool and, and, and to stay with them at, at one nil down by half time was a uh, was you know showed that we've uh, we've probably got what it takes to hang with the top teams I think Paul's got a fair point actually we've got a comment as well from um, Stato Patel if you're listening to the podcast do join in with your comments and we'll get them read out it always makes it a better debate if we've got listeners taking part he says um, when Shackle has a shocker Burnley aren't the same team Shackle was awful on Saturday it was his fault for the penalty however he has been one of the standout players this season so we can let him have a bad game um, Shackle was okay really obviously it was his mistake that, that set up the game um, James you had a point to make about the crowd at the King Power Stadium at the weekend um, yeah I just thought that um the Leicester crowd were quite vocal, especially early on. Um, they're one of the grounds where they do use a drum to sort of get people singing. But um, the atmosphere was actually really good and uh, I thought that it'd be, be quite in, interesting to see if we could get that kind of atmosphere going at the turf, how that would affect our performances. So, so what in particular was it that 
that Leicester were doing to get the crowd going? Well, there's a drum there. Um, so I don't know whether how much of an effect that has. But they were just, you know, they were singing, which is something that I think has been a little bit <laughs> Singing is a good start. <laughs> yeah. Singing is a very, very good start. We spoke quite a lot about the crowds at Turf Moor at the weekend, but I think it, it always helps when there's a, a bigger way following and hopefully Blackpool will bring a few at the weekend. So that should make a difference. Yeah, so that is actually um, a point about Saturday. I thought our, our fans were actually quite quiet for an away game. Um, normally we're quite, quite a vocal bunch and... It was a smallish away following for Burnley, really, though, wasn't it? I suppose just because it was on television and the early kickoff made it a little bit trickier to get to. I think it was 740. It's not bad. No, it's not bad, but in comparison to some of the crowds we've taken, it was maybe smaller than you'd expect, especially with it being top of the league. I'm not <laughs> saying we should have taken much more, but yeah, if it hadn't been on telly and if it had been a three o'clock kickoff, I'm sure it would have been. A lot more Burnley fans at the game. But yeah, we'll move on from Leicester now anyway. Um, we've done that game to death, really. One all draw, of course. Moved Burnley down to to um, just second in the table after QPR. Is that right? Second in the table? I think that was right. Is that right? Anyway, QPR went top after they won against Blackpool at the weekend. And QPR played Leicester at the weekend. So Burnley have a very, very good chance of being in the top two at Christmas, which incidentally leads me on to my quiz question for today. Yes, the quiz is making a triumphant return. Adam, do you have the quiz to hand? He's had to dig that one out from the cupboard because it's been a few weeks. So the quiz question this week refers to the league tables on Christmas Day, and it's a slightly convoluted um, question, so I hope you all stick with me on this. I'm not sure how we're going to do the answers, but we'll um, we'll wing it. We'll make it up as we go along. Basically, um, with Leicester playing QPR, Burnley have an excellent, excellent chance to be in the top two on Christmas Day. So, in each of the last ten championship seasons, the ones before this one, not including this one, which teams were in the top two at Christmas? Um, now, if if you just throw names of teams at me, that's probably going to be, be a bit easy. So, I think we'll go through year by year and open it up to the the listeners as well. So we'll start with last season, and we'll open this out to all of the panel. Which two teams were in the top two on Christmas Day last season? Feel free to jump in. Southampton is incorrect because they were already in the Premier League. Yeah, see, that's the problem when I say... Everyone checked at once. <laughs> because everyone checked at once and I didn't hear any of you. Um, Aidan, I think you had an answer there, didn't you? Uh, Nottingham Forest, were they not? And then they die at the end of the season. Nope, Forest is incorrect, I'm afraid. Kieran, what about you? Well, I think Leicester were up there. And were Borough there last year? They had a really good season, a terrible run. So Borough and Leicester. Leicester and Borough are both incorrect, I'm afraid. Um, Chris, I think you're still there. Chris isn't there. Adam Heap, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think it's Hull, yeah. Hull was second, but not top, so you can have half a mark for that. Top of the table. Anyone else? We've actually had a correct guess on... <clears throat> um, Cardiff is correct. Cardiff was top, Hull was second, and that's how it finished at the end of the season, actually. Those two teams both promoted automatically 
in the positions that they were on Christmas Day. So if we are in the top two, hopefully that's a good sign. So the season before that, um, 2011 to 2012, we've already had the team mentioned, actually. If that gives you a bit of a hint. Um, or is that Southampton? Anyone can... <laughs> it was Southampton. Southampton were top. Um, what about right, second place? Second place the season before last. Wait, West Ham? It was West Ham, good shout, Robbie. And that season, Southampton didn't win the title, actually. They finished second, so did get promoted. West Ham went up via the playoffs, and Reading ended up winning the title. You're right, Paul, on the comments there. It is going to get harder. <laughs> we'll go back another season then, 2010 to 2011. Who was top of the league on Christmas Day that year? Uh, it would have had to be Q- QPR, surely. Mm-hmm. It was QPR, Adam. What was that you said, Adam? Yeah. I said Norwich, but they were probably in the Premier League then, weren't they? I think, I yeah. yeah. I don't have that on my notes, but QPR was the correct answer from Adam. They were top of the league that year. What about second place? I can tell you to give you a clue. This is one of the few teams that didn't actually finish in the top six after being in the top two on Christmas Day. Not Forest, Adam. Any guesses? Swansea, not correct, I'm afraid, Paul. I can tell you it's another Northern club. They're still in the Championship. Was that Borough? It wasn't Borough. Oh, was it Was it Leeds? It was Leeds. Leeds was second in the table on Christmas Day 2010 and finished seventh in the end. So hopefully we won't follow in their footsteps. Going back even further now, 2009, Christmas Day. Who was top of the league on Christmas Day? 2009. Newcastle. Stretching, stretching the memories now. Newcastle is correct. I'm very impressed. This is going better than I envisaged. I thought everyone was going to be struggling with this one. What about second place? The year Newcastle were promoted. West Brom. West Brom, have you got the answers in front of you, Robbie? You're no, I am very good at this. I'm extremely impressed. And that okay. season, Newcastle, West Brom did go up first and second, which is one of the few times that's happened, actually, which is a good sign. I'll go through all the stats when we come to the end, but we will go back another year. Now, 2008, if anyone can remember back that far, who was top of the league Christmas Day 2008? Wolves. <laughs> I think we're going to have to ban Robbie from the game. He's too good at this. Wolves were top That's of the league. That's the season we went up, isn't it? 2008. Mm. 2008 was the year Wolves won the title. Yeah. yeah. Birmingham yeah, went that's... up, runners up, didn't they? So we're Birmingham second. It's not Birmingham. Birmingham weren't second Redding, on Christmas Day, but yes, they did go up that year. I think it was Reading who were second at the time. It was Reading. Reading, of course, who we played in the playoffs because they ended up finishing fourth. Um, I think we'll take a break from that because we are halfway through but I'm extremely impressed with Robbie's answers quite suspicious <laughs> gold, gold medal for Robbie that was outstanding <laughs> thank you I'm still a bit in awe at how easily you were able to record have you got like a photographic memory or something or were you before pass <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Right. Well, we'll move on now to the news of season tickets, which have been announced this season. And the big news today is that they are going to be frozen for next season. 
Um, an excellent move from the club, really, considering it could be Premier League football at Turf Moor next season. The headlines are that it is a price freeze before the early bird deadline, which remains the end of March, which means season tickets will be on sale from £329 for the Jimmy Matt Lawler. Um, also, a new initiative for this season is that you'll be able to pay by direct debit over a 12-month period the whole year. Um, so that will mean you can get a season ticket from around £30 a month, and that will come automatically out of your bank account. And also, they've set up a special savings club, um, which works via a type of credit union, which is another excellent way for fans um, to be able to, to save up over the course of many months, really, and then pay for the season ticket. Lee, who's, um, it's his initiative this 12 months direct debit because he's, he thought it as an outsider to football before a few years ago when he came over from America that it was strange that people were asked to fork out 500 quid every spring for their season tickets but yes um, so we'll open this out to the panel James I know you um, don't pay for a season ticket actually but what do you make of those prices do you think it's fair to have a price freeze is that a good way of doing it for the club um there's a strange sort of choice of word, but um, I think it's a, it's a good move to freeze prices. Obviously, uh, I can't imagine salaries are increasing that much in Burnley, um, depending on what people do. Now, I don't really know what sort of unemployment's like at the moment in Burnley, but I'd imagine it's still, you know, reasonably high in, in comparison to the national average. So, a price freeze, you know, more likely to get people on. Um, especially if you've got a direct debit option every month, because that means people who necessarily don't have much savings or you know don't have access to a credit card or anything like that can can get a season ticket. I think it's probably about the best result fans could have hoped for. It's not likely season tickets are ever going to come down in price. So to freeze them at the end of the season to give you notice and also yeah, I mean, to I offer think... the chance to pay over the course of the year, I think that has to be applauded, really. I mean, I think the direct bit is is the big part because it's probably a lot of people are, are put off by the upfront cost of a season ticket. Um, you know, I think even if you got it on the the option, the instalment option before, obviously there's the uh, I think the APR was actually quite high for something like that because the club didn't handle it. I don't think um, so. Obviously, that was still a barrier to people wanting to get a season ticket if they didn't have the cash up front. Yeah, I'm just looking at the season ticket. Um, the 12-month scheme will roll over as well. So if you don't want to sign up in January, you can sign up in February, and then it will be an 11th month, an 11-month contract, um, and that's via Zebra Finance. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the APR and rates and things like that will be for that, but the club has said that you will be able to get a season ticket from £30 a month. So that's presumably for the um, for the Jimmy Matt Lower. And it works out overall once you break down the prices that it'll be £15 a match for the Jimmy Mike Lower. Seniors can get season tickets for under £10 a match. Under 22s, under £5 a match. For under 18s, it's under £4 a match. Under 12s, under £3 per match. And it's still going to be free for under 10s in the family stand. Um, and Jimmy Mac upper, of course, as long as they have a paying adult with them. Um, Robbie, we'll come to you on the season tickets. Then. Are you quite happy with the the way that the clubs rolled out the price coming season, um, do you think it's fair to have the price trees? Yeah, I'd say so. I don't, I don't think they're 
too expensive anyway, so I'm, I'm reasonably happy that they've frozen the prices and for those prices we could be watching Premier League football as well next season. Exactly. Aidan, as someone who, who lives away from the turf at the moment, will that persuade you to maybe get a season ticket for next year? Well, probably not, because the, like the travelling expenses are too much, but it's definitely the move they had to make, because you couldn't be seen to be rising the prices, especially now, and it gives the fans an incentive. Premier League football, like we've said, could be at the same price as Championship football, which you can't really argue with. I know there's less games, but clearly the high quality move the club could have made really they couldn't have raised it like we've done they couldn't really have lowered it so yeah obviously they want people to sign up um as soon as possible which is why i think they've announced the the 12 month thing now just to try and get people to commit um adam you're obviously not going to get a season ticket living in australia <laughs> but what do you make of our prices compared to some of the other clubs in the league do you think it's fair considering um burnley's economic situation and things like that yeah, we seem to be. Whenever the BBC release those um, the comparative tables, we generally we never you know we're never quite in the top, we're never quite at the bottom. We tend to hang around the uh, middle, maybe a little towards the uh, the lower prices side. But um, uh, I over here, season tickets probably around the same kind of cost for for the Australian football league. So so uh, like it's roughly the same, and I'm I'm quite happy to pay it. So you know, I don't, I don't have a specific problem with it. Um, I suppose what it does mean with the season tickets being frozen in price is that match day tickets are going to be the same, if not if not more expensive next season. So we're probably still going to have the £30 um, at least for the gold ones. James just said on the 12-month option there's no interest but a £31 admin fee. So I suppose that'll bump up the total cost, but it's excellent that you don't pay any extra. We've got some comments on the chat that we'll read out as well on the subject of ticket prices, which always, always gets people going. Um, Ganks has said, I'm not sure if he's joking, actually, but he says, if you're unemployed, the couple should let you in free as a goodwill gesture. Um, I think that would be a, an interesting way to go about it. And Paul says, 20's plenty, which is the away campaign being run by the FSF at the moment, of course. Um, I think we all say 20 quid would be a fair price for seeing championship football. Um but, yeah, I think the club's decided that they can't do that. Wigan away is going to be 20 quid. So if you think 20 quid's a fair price for a championship game, you need to get yourself to Wigan over Christmas, I suppose. That's a good point James has just made. Um, Kieran, you live in London at the moment, quite close to Fulham, and their season tickets and their tickets are pretty well priced, aren't they? What's your point to make on Fulham's prices compared to ours? Yeah, I think, it, well, they've got a massive range of prices, actually. So their cheapest season... I think around 380 if you get it early, which for Premier League football is pretty decent, particularly as I say, South West London. But I do make the point that they've got tickets all up to £60, so I don't know if you, you could make maybe some stands to have more significantly cheaper and make some more expensive, trying to get people in that way as an experiment to see if the, you know, the elasticity, see if cheaper tickets get people in and people still want to pay more to sit in the upper tiers and things like that. Well, the thing is that the club has said that whenever they've made the tickets significantly cheaper, it's not made enough of a difference. Um, so, yeah, that's the argument. Um, Chris is just, Chris is cooking at the moment, so he's has left us at the moment, but he's typing in his comments. He says, Blackpool fans have been put off by the price at the Turf Mall this weekend, and there'll only be about a 1,000 coming, which is a bit of a shame, but 
I think Blackpool's a top category game, so yeah, the price probably will put some people off. Um, just on the point Kieran made about making some of the prices cheaper, that was one of the things I mentioned to Lee Hughes when I interviewed him a few weeks ago. We will have the second part of that interview on the site this week, which I know I say it all the time, but we definitely will have it on the site. <laughs> and he said he'd love to make it cheaper um, for walk-ons in the Jimmy Mike Lawler, but the problem is because the Football League says that stand is equivalent to the away end, whatever they charge for home fans in there, they would have charge the same for away fans so then if you said it's 50 quid to walk on for the Jimmy Matt Lower which would be fair when you compare it to the season tickets that would mean all away fans would get him for 15 quid so at the moment um, Lee who's the chief executive I think is trying to persuade the football league that it's not the same because the away end is different so yeah that's basically the explanation for that I think we'd all like to see the Jimmy Matt Lower made cheaper just to give people a lower price point as Lee Who says but that's the reason um, for that we've had a comment from Dakiri I never know how to say your name Dakiri as in strawberry Dakiri the cocktail he says it's £10 for under 16 for Williams and you can't say fairer than that Dakiri apparently is the way to say it I have no idea you can tell I'm not very cultured so yeah 20 quid for Wigan away you can't really say fairer than that I'll certainly be snapping up that and I think I'll be taking advantage of the the direct debit option as well. I think that's an excellent, excellent deal. We have to praise the club for that. Um, I think we should look ahead to the weekend. Now, we spoke to Chris a little bit about the Blackpool game, but we should um, go through the panel as well and just look ahead and see what everyone thinks will will happen in the, the local derby, of course, at the weekend. Blackpool visitors to Southmore. Um, Robbie, we'll start with you on this one. Um, would you be confident of us getting a result in that game? It's obviously quite crucial this time of year with the games coming thick and fast you want to make sure you're picking up wins and staying in touch with the leaders yeah I'm fairly confident we'll get uh, three points out of this game because our home point is pretty good and I think you've got to remember that Blackpool are at least going to have two cents off so I think we'll win this game pretty comfortably pretty comfortably well we heard that from the panel for the Watford and Barnes games and it didn't turn out like that at all. Um, James, the Blackpool game, what do you think we'll see from from Burnley in that weekend? Obviously, the strongest team was out at Leicester, so I can't imagine we'll see any changes to the side. Do you think Burnley will be well for the Blackpool game? I think, I think we'll win 4-0. Unchanged side. <laughs> I was going to do the predictions a little bit late, but we can do them now if you want. We've still got the quiz to, to go back to a little bit later. Aiden, Blackpool at the weekend, do you think that'll be a a, oh, a home win Blackpool don't have a particularly good record at the turf in recent years do they? yeah it should be recent times they've tended to see them off pretty easily and you remember there was a couple of games on telly weren't they I think where they saw them off two or three one or something but it's, good. it's a really big game though we've got to remember with QPR and Leicester playing each other there's a game that you have to win that added pressure could mess you up it hopefully won't and we should hopefully come through one or two nil unchanged team and just get on with it but you never know with especially with that added pressure like I say the first and third playing each other and one of them dropping points well I'm just looking at the table now and um, with QPR being two points clear of us and Leicester one behind I think the only way we could be out of the top two is if Leicester win and we don't I think that would be the only way we could be out of the top two would extremely likely um, to be in the top two on Christmas Day which as we will do in my quiz a little bit later 
um, is a very good sign for the rest of the season. Adam, Blackpool at the weekend, what are your thoughts? Yeah, first off, uh, we will have a slightly changed team because if everyone remembers, uh, Dean Marnie got a fifth yellow card, so he will not be playing. Um, Actually, so, um, if I can interrupt you, I hate to be the one that points out that you're wrong, but um, Marnie's suspension was while he was injured earlier in the season and Sky Sports were incorrect with their stats. Oh, they were. Marnie has been booked possible. six times, so Dean Marnie will be available. Okay, good. All right, well, let's ignore that then. Um, the other th- interesting fact about the game <laughs> is that the um, – the, all right, do you want me to bring up the Ashes? I'll bring up the Ashes. <laughs> is that the threat? Is that the threat? <laughs> we'll talk about it quickly. <laughs> no, um, if you bring up the Ashes, if you bring up the Ashes, I will cut you off. I have the power. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other interesting thing about the game is that, you know, if – if we win against them, you know, it's like you said, that big top two at Christmas, which is a uh, something that I think everyone in the club would be really happy with. It's a you know, big, uh, big uh, thing to go into the new year with. Um, so I think they'll all be pretty keen to uh, to win the match. And we've got a good record. I think we've won our last, uh, we've won six out of our last seven against them at home and drawn the other one. So yeah, I'm confident two one win. Yeah, we do have an outstanding home record against Blackpool recently. Jack's been on the live chat. I'm not, I haven't had a chance to check this, but he says Blackpool haven't won at the surf since 1998. So um, a long, long time, 15 years actually since Blackpool won at the surf. But of course, um, these records are there to be broken, I suppose. Dakery, as I've been told your name is pronounced, says it came up in the news today that Inks has got a knock on his ankle again. Um, similar to the one that he got in the Huddersfield game. I think Dash has already said that he's not really worried about Ings' ankle, so I'm sure they'll assess that close to the game. Um, Kieran, finally, we'll come to you then on Blackpool. Um, are you confident Burnley will get a result that game? No, I think we'll lose. No, um, I think that it's interesting that they're going to uh, play 4-5-1. I don't know how good we'll be at breaking through his I think we're a little bit better because when we move the ball quickly up the wings and, and try and counter-attack, uh, you know, quite direct. And if teams sit, how how good are we at being able to break them down? If we score early, I think we'll get a few because I think they'll have to come out a bit more and we'll be able to exploit the space. But it'd be interesting to see how we play without as as try and play against five at the back tracking like Trippier or any of the wingers might make it a little bit more difficult. But I think an early goal will really help us. An early goal is certainly always welcome. We've got a couple of stats actually that the guys have helpfully provided for me and James points out Blackpool have only won one in the last eight and Chris says it's three in 14 so Blackpool don't come um, in particularly good form to turf mode. Just on that point about the five in midfield, um, Huddersfield actually played three at the back didn't they with wing backs and that meant that we didn't have space for the wingers and the wingers didn't really know whether they were supposed to be pressing up or sitting back and the key point for me about playing a five in midfield is that if if someone just decides to sit in Kieran Trippier's space, he's not going to get forward as much as, as normal. And he's such an important source of goals and putting two three really dangerous crosses at the weekend. And I think that really affects his game if, if a midfield is just coming to sit. So, yeah, Blackpool will be very interesting. Um, Roger's got a prediction, actually, before we move on to the rest of the quiz. He says, I think we'll win 4 now with... Um, a couple of penalties because it all bounced out over the season. We have had some bad luck penalties, so we're probably due a dodgy one. And Danny Ings will get a hat-trick. Um, I think Roger's taking over Andy Devaney's Danny Ings' number one fan 
<laughs> mantle there. We will go back to the quiz now. Do you have the quiz music to hand, Adam? I never get bored of the quiz music. So if you've just joined us, the quiz question this um the podcast this week is Burnley have an excellent chance of being in the top two on Christmas Day this season with Leicester playing QPR at the weekend. But in each of the last two ten championship seasons, who was in the top two at Christmas? Um we've done the last five, so I think Robbie will be getting out his yearbook and flicking through for the right page now. I already know it as well. Now. We are now on Christmas Day 2007, if you can stretch your minds back that long. Who was top of the championship on Christmas Day 2007? Stoke. No. Was it? Silence it was from the panel. I, I thought it was Bristol City. Yeah, was it nope. Bristol? Nope. Two guesses for Bristol. West Brom? Correct. Stoke is incorrect. West Brom. West Brom was second and ended up winning the title that year. So half a point for that, but um, the team that was top at Christmas actually finished uh, was sixth it that year. Watford. I'm not sure who said that, but it was Watford. Was that Adam? Yeah, Adam with Watford as the answer. Excellent stuff. Watford ended up in sixth that season despite being top on Christmas Day, and West Brom won the title after being second. Um, so the season before that, Christmas Day 2007 really stretching back in time now and I can tell you that a local team um, were one of the top two for this one not Bolton Preston Preston is correct Preston was second ended up finishing seventh Um, one of only two teams to be in the top two on Christmas Day and not finish in the top six so hopefully we won't replicate them who was top though on Christmas Day 2006 Birmingham. Birmingham is correct. Very, very good guess. Adam's just said on the on the chat that we have while we're running the podcast. Remember when Preston were in the championship? Oh, <laughs> feels like so long ago now. Preston in the championship. Um, going back to two thousand and five, then I'll be impressed if anyone can think back this far. Who was top of the championship on Christmas Day two thousand and five? And if it helps, the top two this year were both promoted in that order as well. So the two teams that were top Christmas Day 2005. Sheffield United. Sheffield United were second Mm. and finished second. Were Sunderland top? Not Sunderland. Sunderland were relegated from the Premier League that year, which gives you a clue for later in the show, maybe. Sorry, was that Wigan? Wigan's incorrect. Any more guesses for this one? Christmas Day, 2005. Not West Brom. Not West Brom. Bolton. They were, I think, I think there were like two teams that were really far ahead this year and was was one of them Reading? Oh, Reading, yeah. yeah. Reading is... Uh, <laughs> over here and jumped in and saying, oh yeah, Reading. Yeah, I know no, that. That was the year after where, they, where Sheffield United <laughs> got like seven points and we all just got relegated on the last day, didn't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Reading were like six points clear or something, weren't they? Yeah. They were like quite a way clear. Yeah, I think that was the year that there was a runaway when um, Reading were top that year and Sheffield United were second. Um, two more years to go through. 
um, Christmas Day 2004, and I can tell you, first and second actually finished second and third after Christmas Day. And it's not Sunderland. I was uh, doing a bit of a cheat. Sunderland, not correct. <laughs> Uh, was this Top on Wigan, Christmas Day 2004? It's still not Wigan. Wigan. Oh, actually, I'm lying. Wigan was second, so <laughs> half point for that. I'm not keeping yeah. score though, so the points mean nothing. Who was top Christmas Day 2004? Would it have been West Ham? It's not West Ham. It is a team from down south. Is it Ipswich? Just random. Not Millwall. Someone just said it though. Background. Has Millwall been in the Premier League? Someone said it. I yes, didn't say it. Which is the answer. It's it's which is correct. Yeah, you got the got answer one. in front of you now. You cheating, James? No, I haven't been. I haven't Not been doing happy. it. That's why I haven't answered any of these ones because I I'd already got. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, you did the stats earlier in the scene, didn't you? So. Yeah, okay. Well, Ipswich ended up third. That's the Wigan stayed in second. The reason I was saying about Sunderland, um, an interesting stat that I came upon when I was doing the research for the quiz this week, um, there's two years, both years, I think, that Sunderland were promoted. There might have been another one. Certainly two of the times they were promoted, they weren't in the top two, but still won the title. So um, there is a sign there that if, if we're not in the top two, there's still a chance that we could win the title, as long as we do what Sunderland did. Um, one more year to get then, and then we'll wrap the quiz up for this week. Christmas Day 2003, a long, long time ago now. Who was top? West Brom. West Brom was second, half a point. I'm good at getting second. I'm going to get top, though. <laughs> 2003, long, long time ago. Can anyone remember who was top? Can anyone remember who was in the championship? <laughs> it is almost impossible to come back that far. Um, I'm going to say Norwich. Norwich is correct. Excellent, excellent answer. Um, well done, team. I can't believe you got them all. I thought that was extremely well done extremely extremely well done um, there's some news from the champ it was a good question wasn't it it took me ages to go through it all and check that it was all correct um, but I have got some stats after working through all the quiz questions um, of those 10 teams at the top at Christmas 6 of them ended up champions so 60% of the time top of the league at Christmas have won the league only two teams have been top two at Christmas and not made the playoffs in the last 10 years, and they were Leeds and Preston. And second place at Christmas has finished second place in the league four times. So isn't that interesting? Yes, that is yes. interesting, is, <laughs> is the answer to that. Thank you, Jamie, for doing such an excellent quiz. <laughs> that is the answer. So, yeah, uh, the quiz was back this week. If you want to do a quiz for us one week, that would be excellent. Um, Email us, blog at knowninever.net, or tweet us, knowninever, um, if you have a question about that. Um, you've got an actual quiz stat for us. Adam's gone quiet again. Has he fallen asleep, Adam? 
Are you there? Oh, sorry. No, you have a start. Um, no, just that. Uh, <laughs> um, just about relation to uh, points that we had in our promotion season. Uh, after uh, we it took us twenty three games to get to forty points um, in two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, and uh, we are currently three games less than that with the same amount of points. Excellent. Um, well worth the round of applause. One of the things that I say, actually, is if you're getting two points a game, you've got a pretty good chance of getting promoted. Um, so, yeah, with us having two points a game, exactly as I said, if we keep up that, we'll almost certainly get promoted. And we now only need, really, another 30 points or so to have a playoff place. So it's looking extremely, extremely good that we will be in the playoffs at the end of the season. We do put a couple of comments to read out. Roger's been on. He says, it's interesting to see if teams who didn't invest in the January transfer or sold players, if they fell away in the second half of the season. That would be interesting. Unfortunately, I don't have that information to hand, but it might be something we can look into. But yeah, interesting point there. We will um, try and look into that. Before we wrap up the show, one of the things I wanted to talk about before we end this week. We've still got a few minutes left. One of the things I wanted to do was Sean Dyche's interview in the Daily Telegraph. I don't know if the panel um, read the interview. I'm sure some of you must have. It basically did a big interview with Henry Winter of the Daily Telegraph. Quite interesting. Went into um, a little bit of detail about his personal life and spoke about his football philosophy. It was a good read. We'll um, put the link on Twitter or something for anyone um, who missed it. Adam, can we come to you on this, actually? You read the Telegraph interview. What were your thoughts on it? Adam, <laughs> um, English Adam, not yeah. Ashes Adam. <laughs> Ashes Adam, that's great. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good read. Um, <laughs> basically, you've said it all. Um, I read it and I thought, hey, we could have done that on our site if, uh, if we could have been let. <laughs> <laughs> Is that passive-aggressive enough? Um <sighs> It's a little bit passive-aggressive. We are still trying to get Sean Dyche on the podcast and we will ask him again, even though we're not Henry Winter. Um, Kieran, you read the interview as well. What were your thoughts about the Telegraph piece? I think it was quite interesting. And, and Excuse me. A lot of the Dyche stuff we've, we've read similarly. There wasn't too much new there. I, if anything, actually, I was a little bit disappointed that Henry Winter didn't really come up with much new himself. Um, it was more monologue than interview. Um, from Daesh, but uh, definitely good to see he's getting some, you know, national coverage and you know quite a bit of space really. There was um, one interesting point that came out was that he used to go to the hacienda when he was young, which I thought was um, very strange. And there was one line I'm just trying to find it now. Um, Adam Heap actually will come to you while I look this up. Did you read the interview? What did you think? Uh, sorry, no, I cannot say I have read the interview. I've been incredibly busy in the last week and have not done as much keeping up as I should have. That's disappointing. <laughs> You've been too busy watching to get more cricket, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about the cricket. I've got the interview in front of me now. Let's just find it. There's something about a horse. I want to find this quote about a horse. Right. Yeah. I want to read out this quote so uh, yeah, the horse whisper a bit. If you haven't read this interview, I will get it on the Twitter after the show. It says, um, he spoke to Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson gave me some brilliant advice. He said that over the years, as he was easing down from the actual physical hands-on coaching, he looked more at players' body language. 
are they up or down? Are they ready? You monitor players and staff. You have to know players as people, know their quirks. And then this is where it goes a little bit odd. I thought Sean Dyke said, I can almost smell their mood. I call it horse whispering. I watch them, then pop around after training, ask them if they're okay. I tell them, well done Saturday, different class. I read the horse whisperer. If that can apply to a horse, with all due respect to a horse, it must apply to humans. Treat them correctly, respectfully. I ask their thoughts, they open up. <laughs> An interesting way of it. Um, I'm not sure the horse now really needed to be stretched that far, but yeah, interesting stuff from <laughs> from Sean Dash, the horse whisperer, as we should start calling him. We do have a, a couple of comments to read out from <laughs> listeners before. I'm still laughing at the horse whisperer comment. <laughs> Jack's been on talking about the points. He says, when we're at 40 points in the promotion season, we have the same amount of wins and draws, but more defeats and a lower goal difference. Um, so that's a a good sign as well, I suppose. Gank says the interview was a fantastic read. It will only enhance his growing reputation. I think that's one of the concerns for me. Look, like he was just putting his, his name out there a little bit. That's maybe being a little bit controversial. And Paul says, Sean Dash loves the Smiths. That's good enough for me. He's a top man. <laughs> that's a, a pretty good way to to, <laughs> to round off the show. And uh, Adam's just said Sean Dash is the horse whispery, as in horse, as in he can't speak very well. Which reminds me, actually, of something else we should tweet again. Um, Michael Connell from Ring Ring Rouge, which is a local band worth listening to. They do our um, music, actually, at the start and end of the podcast while we're looking them up. Can we play it? Have you got it to hand out? It's not the video because um, the guy who's playing Sean Dash has got a piece of toast to represent Sean Dash's beard. But yeah, it's still quite good. If you can play it, yeah. you play it. I'm just getting out now. There we go. I'm here with Sean it's Dice, coming. Burnley manager. Congratulations, Sean. That was a good point for you today at Leicester. Yeah, thank you. Coming up against the market leaders. Sales projections. You must be happy with Danny Ings today. <laughs> You have position going into the January transfer window. How do you think things might pan out for you and your sides? <laughs> Top of the league at Christmas. <laughs> People don't want to give us any players. <laughs> Get me to Rob's. Do you think Burnley are the finished article? <laughs> A long season. <laughs> Take each game as it comes. Thanks, Sean. Back to you, Jeff. Wow. I'm, I'm glad we could play that because... Um, <laughs> I'm dying. Extremely, <laughs> extremely funny. <laughs> yeah. He does sound quite like the Cookie Monster. I think that just adds to it. If you see the video, actually, the video, the guy's got a piece of toast held up to his face with a hole in it, just to look like Sean Dice's beard. I almost died laughing when I saw that. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to regain my composure <laughs> after, after that video clip. Um, we are going to round up the podcast now. Um, but before I go, I want to stress that we are always looking for people to to join the podcast as guests. If you ever want to come on, please let us know. We're always taking on new people. And if you want to get involved in the site in any way, whether that's writing or helping with the production side, please get in touch as well. You can get us on Twitter. That's no name ever net on Twitter. Or you can email us as well, blog at net. We're always looking for more help. So if you're a fan of the site, if you're a regular reader, um, please get in touch because we 
all volunteers there now and we spend lots and lots of time on site so any help any help we can get is appreciated um we are going to wind up the podcast now it's, it's been a good one i'm still laughing at the short dash impression that was outstanding um, we will be back with none and ever live on saturday for blackpool at home obviously a big game ahead of christmas the last game before christmas so we will be in that top two for christmas day and the podcast will be back next monday as well so we'll listen, we'll hear from you again next week thanks a lot for listening as always thanks to my panel we had chris for the measured progress blackpool blog we had adam heap who's gone back to bed because it's the middle of the night in australia we've also had robbie calback james bird kieran james aiden leap and adam as normal pressing the buttons thanks a lot for listening and we will be back next week bye bye you've been listening to the no Nay never podcast for more visit nonanever.net and don't forget, follow us on Twitter at NoNayNeverNet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.